the Ghost Goal Podcast. Manchester City placed the final nail in the coffin for Arsenal's title hopes with a 3-0 win at Everton on Sunday, before Brighton hammered down that nail with a 3-0 win of their own against the Gunners later that day. Meanwhile, Liverpool kept pace with Manchester United in the race for top four and were able to gain two points on third place Newcastle after the Magpies dropped points away to Sam Allardyce's leads with only three games remaining. We've got all that, plus further developments in the relegation battle, uh, some interesting Premier League adjacent news in terms of uh, managerial hires and uh, a new center forward for the U.S. national team that we've got, got to talk about. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 409. Javier is joining me today. How are you doing, man? Thanks for uh, joining us late night after yeah, work. doing well, man. Um, you know, obviously a little disappointed with how the weekend went, but truly didn't really have hope after... Uh after that run of games we had and losing to Manchester City, there was there was no hope in in uh, in these games. And I really in in the Everton so, game. So hold on, hold on, you, because literally just last week you were saying Arsenal are winning out the rest of the season. And when I mentioned that the results of that Manchester City Everton game earlier on you Sunday it, Alex. was you going to have it. a big impact it, uh, on yes. how this game went, I want you to us, acknowledge. For sure. I want you to acknowledge that that is true. Uh, if City had lost or drawn that game at Everton, I would not have been surprised to see like a much better Arsenal performance instead of that 3-0 loss. But once I saw City just dismantle Everton uh, at Goodison Park, a ground that you know Arsenal themselves went and lost at earlier this season, I, I just thought to myself, like if this Arsenal team comes out and wins and plays convincingly against a very good the Brighton side, then that would be pretty impressive. But I think it's going to wear them down just because like Gundogan's goals, the first one, especially was just, just a beautiful, creative, uh, ingenious finish. And then obviously Erling Haaland two minutes later, and then Gundogan finishes it off with a, a free kick in the second half. It was never really a contest. Manchester city are, you know, just continuing I mean, we on said, that. We said the entire season though, mentioned. That they were going to do this. This was always, we, both of us have been saying it. There hasn't been, I mean, while there was a hope always, it wasn't ever, even when we were first for that ha- time, even having the eight point lead. I mean, look at look at Liverpool, a team who had won the title against Manchester City, who had then lost uh, a title when they finished with 98 points. That team with 98 points, they had like a 12 or 14 point lead on Manchester City. And that was a team without Erling Holland. You remember that in December they had twelve or third, or, or it was like twelve or fourteen points. Everyone's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, the, the the league's wrapped up." And I remember you and I both were like, "You know, City could still pull back in this title race," and they rattled off like eighteen wins to end the season and won the title. And that's what they're doing here. They're, they've they they haven't lost since January. The 14th. doubts have never been about Manchester City. The doubts have never been focused on them. They've always been focused on Arsenal. And I think Arsenal fans were right to say to themselves that you're in a good position, you know, eight to 10 points clear at multiple different times over like most of this season. And looking at the run of games, there were some tough games there, but Arsenal had on multiple occasions before dropping points in games more recently. They'd gone to places like Aston Villa, trailed twice and still come back to win right at the end. 
uh, they'd had the Bournemouth game at home where, you know, they'd gone behind after a minute and come back with like a substitute like Reese Nelson scoring an absolute beauty uh, at the Emirates. They'd had uh, the Manchester United game comes to mind as well, like winning right at the end with uh, who was it who scored the winner in that one? Was it Jesus? The 3 2 that you had at the Emirates against United, where in any case, you. you you had these tough games that the team had managed to come through in and, you know, maintain that eight to 10 point lead. So I, I think Arsenal fans were right to say to themselves, like, it's on us now. We know that Manchester City are going to go on this like amazing run. Now we have to to match them or, you know, they even had a couple of games to sort of give away there and still have a lead. This is why I, I, I don't think we've mentioned it before, Javier. I, I don't think... It's, it's in Ketia, Alex. In Ketia. I, I don't think in Ketia. That's right. Yeah, that was during that was back during that month that he was actually playing well. Um, I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Arsenal bottled it, and I don't think it's an insult either because Liverpool bottled it. You have a young team. I think it's a, a side effect of a young team that uh, things like this are going to happen. Now, when you say I think bottling in a microcosm, it, Alex, like that's, in order to bottle something, yeah, but in order want, to bottle want, or choke want, something, if you want a, you, an American you translation. Number one, it had the expectation of of like winning the title, or or have like. But the expectation shifted, the Javier. Expecta- it shifted. I'm not saying at but, the start of the season you I'm would have expected you the to win the league. Never but at shifted. Christmas, it never shifted. I think I think for the team, it I did. Mean, you had eight to ten points on them for ninety percent of the season, or seventy five percent of the season. Yes, but we always knew. We always knew at this part of the season things were going to change, and it always does, and. I honestly have at no point when we couldn't beat Manchester City in those two games. I knew it was it wasn't going to happen. You know, they they showed us. You didn't even need to beat them. You need you needed right. to draw. That's them. what I'm saying. You needed to keep Manchester but, City but, from but, like but gaining let me, momentum. Let me put it into perspective for you, Alex. Okay, first of all, in the Premier League era, right now, this Mikel Arteta team has already scored 83 goals. In the Premier League era, there's only been. Two teams that have scored more goals than this team so far. And we could. There's 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 the the title winning Invincibles. They scored 87. Okay. And then second place, our 0203 team scored 85. So we could pass so four goals to, to pass that total already this season. We have two games left. So we could this could be the team that scores the most goals in Premier League history for Arsenal. Amazing to have done that, and and it, to go from that, to go from, you know, in these last few seasons, it's been sixty-one goals, fifty-five goals, fifty-six goals, you know, seventy-three, seventy-four, seventy-seven. This was under Arsene Wenger when we would be, you know, had attacking teams that would leak a ton of goals as well. Um, but you know, to do that, extremely impressive. Um, and then the points total. I mean, right now, eighty-one points. Just to put it in again, to put it into perspective for people. The only points totals that I think, because uh, there there was an 83 points. I think we're going to pass 83 points. We have 81 right now. Um, there was another 83 points, uh, 04, 05. We got second. 90 points is the most Arsenal's ever gotten in a Premier League year. We're not going to, we can't hit that now. 87, the other year we won the league, uh, 2001, 2002. We could hit 87 this year. If we, if we win our last two games, that's still an incredible achievement in any other 
like at, in at almost any other era of the Premier League would probably be enough to win the league and would would match the second highest point total ever for Arsenal. This is the youngest team in the league with a manager who's at his first job who it's very clear we still have some some shortcomings, right? We, st- we have clear depth issues. There's players like Xhaka who it's almost confirmed that he's already going to be moved on. Um, you know, players like Rob Holding we can upgrade on. You know, maybe sort out Kieran Tierney and, and Zinchenko. That position probably needs more depth. Uh, you know, striker, bring in Balogun, who's been fantastic. Um, all of these things, I mean, to have probably the... the Probably we might have the most goals ever in a Premier League season for Arsenal and tie the second highest points total, finish second. I mean, it, it's not obviously we're not going to have any silverware, but for the youngest team that we that in the league this season and youngest man, you know, one of the youngest managers or the youngest manager, you know, certainly his first big job. Um, we've seen plenty of managers that have, you know, similar age to Mikel not succeed at, at even smaller clubs or smaller jobs or even big jobs, um, you know, like Lampard, Gerrard, um, you know, there, there, there's, you know, Ole Gunnar, Solskjaer, et cetera, et cetera. So just so many positives to take from this season. And I, I, I'm not going to ever like say that they choked it because there was no expectation whatsoever. When you listen to the preseason pods, you listen to what we were saying I mean, you thought. Yeah, again, I've never, I've never, I've never claimed that I, anyone thought Arsenal were going to win the league I preseason. Both of us, I thought the highest Arsenal could expectations finish Expectations change. Yes, but but the, you, that, but you have to use perspective. Like in the moment, you don't. You, you don't do have, have to, to use when you when you when you run out to an eight because to you have to look at it as a whole. And you right? have that lead have to, for the vast majority to, of the season. The expectation is that you win the league. Any team. I'm not just saying just for Arsenal. I'm saying this of but any no, team. But no team. Like Liverpool bottled the no league as well multiple times. No team is like one season as a project. You know what I mean? Like you can have a successful season or two here and there and spike spike a title, spike a Champions League. And that doesn't mean you're suddenly a great team or that your team is going to be successful going forward. Er, uh, I mean, ergo Chelsea. I mean, a bunch of the, all those players basically that won the Champions League with you guys a couple of years ago. Almost all of them are gone or are going to be moved on this summer. And. And ended up winning nothing else in their in their Chelsea career, which is fine. Hey, I'll have you know we won the FIFA Club yes, World Cup. Yes, Alex, but uh, but they but <laughs> we, they we were the best but, team but in the th- world. But that was a you know uh, uh, yeah yeah you were you were the best team in the world. Um, but I'm just saying you know almost all of our players are on long term contracts. Um, you know we've locked down players like Saka, Martinelli, uh, Balogun. You know, we still got got to get Saliba locked down, but Odegaard, all of these players were, you know, we had Jesus, Sinchenko, long-term deals. So it's a great project for players to want to come to. We're going to build on it this summer. The notion that like, this was like a, oh, this was your one season at it. Like, that's ridiculous. This is the, this is a young team. We have all these players on long-term contracts. This isn't the old Arsenal where, you know, we, we'd have an exciting young team like this. And then immediately this summer, three or two or three of these players would get poached. It's not going to happen. We're going to have all these players again next year. We're going to build on this. The project's going to continue. And I, I like now I expect next season for us to have more than the points that we finished this season. Right. Like now we're setting the bar way, way higher. So next year, I don't have I don't have any excuses. We're going to be in the Champions League. We're going to probably spend, I guarantee, 160, 200 mil. We're going to we're going to go. I, I guarantee the Cronkies are going to back us. And next season, there will be no excuses. But this season, 
amazing achievement. Like I I'm, can't be happier with the boys. I I have no like ill will or any choke, any of that. None of that. None of that's in my mind. None of that. Like I really, I, I never expected it. And they, I think they've massively exceeded all expectations. And I'm like incredibly happy with how this season went. I think a big opportunity has been missed. I don't think you can deny that because evidently Newcastle are coming. They're the Qataris coming to Manchester United on on the horizon as well. That's that's fine. (laughs) They're still, uh, you know, trending upwards. They're another team that's like way ahead of schedule that has been, you know, that's going to finish way higher than most people expected them to this soon into the uh, Saudi ownership. I think that's where the, 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 critiques of Arsenal missing an opportunity come from because you know it's uh it's not just because of Newcastle and the Saudis like I said I think it's because of the the impending Qataris uh, ownership coming to Manchester United as well when you combine you know the sort of brand power that Manchester United have with Saudi money a state-backed uh you know ownership that that's going to be a problem. So I, I understand that rhetoric. I don't. I actually don't agree with that because of uh, the way you know they, they've been trying to enforce financial fair play more. The Premier League's been trying to enforce you know more homegrown talent, and there, there's never been a problem for United spending money. Uh, money's not like an issue. It's getting the right players. You it, it, you saw it with Chelsea this season. You can spend five hundred million in a window, but if you have thirty players um, and you can only train, you know, twenty two at a time, there's going to be eight players sitting out that are doing nothing in in an eleven v eleven training situation. So like, it's a huge problem to have a squad that big, and there's you have to have the right players, and there's only so much no, you can do so with you've, money. You've you've changed your tune on this then, so you. It doesn't matter. It's not just about money. No, it's definitely you know, not just about money. Arsenal Manchester just City and, uh, and honestly, and, Manchester and, City, and Manchester City have shown it as well. I mean, they no. They do haven't you not understand any, what like, I'm saying? Crazy we're signings outside in the, of the past year. So in the past of year, I don't want to get off topic too much. But it has just been about money when, you know, when talking about like Manchester City and Chelsea, it's like, oh, they have, they spend all this money. Of course they win. Like you, you do need to know how to spend it. I just want to, you know, make sure, make sure we're on the same page. I'm happy you've come around to the other side, Javier. Welcome. It's not just about money. It's about how you spend it and how you uh, operate your club. Um, just something real quick before we move on from Arsenal completely, because this is Arsenal adjacent. I, I want to talk about uh, following uh, Balogun the uh, Reims uh, player who's on loan there uh, from Arsenal at the moment. Uh, We found out earlier today that he has committed to representing the U.S. men's national team. I think he was born originally in New York, like New York City, um, to Nigerian parents and then moved back to England like shortly after and, you know, has represented England at youth level through all the different levels and there had been rumors about him uh, changing his allegiance to the U.S., uh, but I think we were all, everyone was just kind of waiting to to see what the you know the final confirmed news would be. And I think it's a huge deal for uh, U.S. you know men's uh, football fans. He's a very bright talent. You've mentioned him multiple times on this pod and about how excited you are that he's going to be coming back to Arsenal, and you know what, what that could mean uh, for the team. How big of a deal do you think this uh, this should be to U.S. fans? And what kind of player I mean, I are they getting? It was the missing piece of the puzzle. I think it was the player that you have all over the team, you know, young players, um, 
in the back line, in the midfield, um, and as wingers. Um, and you have Pulisic as the, like the experienced star now, and you really just needed a striker to bring it all together. And and the U.S. had just had absolute garbage in the striker department. And I think now getting Florian Balogun in there is going to be huge. I mean, just change the 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 fortunes of the U.S. men's national team completely, and they'll be a force going into the next World Cup with Balogun in there. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited for him. I think it's a huge move for him because. He's going to suddenly be on the, the the lips of every American, you know, newscaster and ESPN and all that stuff. He's going to be all over that. Um, you know, when he's been scoring goals for the U.S. men's national team, he's going to become a huge star. And I think that can only increase his stock in the transfer market. You know, I think that type of decision in England, it might have taken him a few more years to, to like really become a global superstar because he probably wouldn't have been starting too much for the at least for the English national team. But with Harry Kane, you know, it, it, with the United States, you know, this this kid could score. You know, he could he could break the English or the the U.S. goal scoring record. You know, he could become the the all time leading goal scorer for the national team. So good he is. So yeah, especially with all those Concacaf games. Um, yeah, he's having a great season over in France at the moment uh, with Reims. He's uh, only 21 years old. He's played 34 matches uh, in the league, and he's got 19 goals. He's up there. I'm not sure. He's up in the top five, at least, for in, in the league for goals scored. But I, I think there, there there is another step that we need to see him take, and that's coming back to England. And, you know, in a team, you know, as good as Arsenal, he should be able to get similar stats, especially when Gabriel Jesus inevitably gets injured again for like a month, like he's the kind of player that I would be confident in if I was an Arsenal fan, just stick him in the starting lineup. And as long as you get the service to him, I've seen like the back post runs that he His makes movement is crazy and is incredible. And he's not like the biggest player. He's five foot 10. He's not like physically imposing, but he's like very smart with how, with how he moves and like the timing of when he moves to like just create that extra like half a yard of space for the ball to drop over like he's his shoulder. Pretty, he's he, also he, very he composed. Hit it first time. Um, true, like he, he's very good with both of his feet. The, the U.S. have a special player now. You know, it's it's. I think it's a huge loss for England. Honestly, um, I think that they're, they're going to regret not. You really uh, think not so? You don't think to try to you keep? You think Balogun. they can produce someone else? I'm sure they can, but uh, I think Balogun would have would have been uh, in there. Would have been. I mean, I, they have plenty of talent, but. For the U.S., it's it's such a big deal, Can't, like huge deal, huge day for uh, U.S. U.S. men's national team fans. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a different future for them going forward with the, uh, this type of player emerging in the team. Okay, so I know we've mentioned uh, Manchester City going to Everton and winning three 0 but I just want to check in on them real quick before the second leg. Well, I actually, no, I'm not even going to call it the second leg. I'm going to call it the the Champions League final that they're going to be playing in tomorrow against Real Madrid. Uh, have you, you know, have you gained any uh, wisdom, Javier, over the last week that's uh, still, given you I'm, the balls to make yeah, a prediction? I still think or it's going to be just still going to sit on no, the it's fence. It's going to be Manchester City, Alex. They're the best team in Europe this season. It's not even close. Uh, I think that they're just uh, they they were saving themselves in the first leg. Uh, they were probing Real, seeing what weapons Real had. They didn't want to go down too much at the Bernabeu. Now they're going to the Etihad where. They're imperious there. They uh, they beat teams three, four, five goals past them. And they've been, I feel like, just this last, even even though they've been in a title race, they've just been kind of trotting along. 
knowing that they have this Champions League final, basically, with Real now at the Etihad. And uh, they're, they're going to win it. I'm going to say 3-1 uh, three, three, Manchester City. And uh, I think they win the final, obviously, as well against Inter. Dude, time after time, I feel like you just ignore football heritage, you know? Football heritage, as Jose Mourinho would say. And for Real Madrid, it's, it's their heritage to just clown a team like Manchester City in a game like this. When, you know, all the expectation, all the pressure is on Manchester City. They're at home. It's 1-1. It's a pretty positive result for City at, at the Bernabeu. I'm just, I'm still pretty confident that Real Madrid's just going to win it. Maybe not even win it. Maybe just get it to penalties and win on penalties. Like I, I don't, like I'm totally open to the idea that City, you know, you know, have this it's definitely like, possible they, realization uh, Real kind of the, movement. The Champions League gods, but I think, I think there's fatigue. I think Real haven't been that good this season, and I think them being not, even though they haven't been that good in the league, I know they've been better in the Champions League. I still think that they they've got holes in that team. That's always I think, the case. I still think like in That's midfield the they're not they're, they're not as quick. They can't they're not going to be able to to get the ball off Manchester City at the Etihad and City are going to have the ball too much and I know that Real will probably get a goal on the counterattack maybe even two but it's Erling Holland and maybe even Erling three. Erling Holland and De Bruyne. Yeah, but they're going to score. Erling Holland didn't do shit. Yes. They rolled out yeah, Antonio Rudiger and you he know clamped yeah, up but Holland. Here's the thing. It's like you, you can't <laughs> I, I haven't seen anyone do that two games in a row. No one did it in the Premier League. If they, if someone stopped Holland in the first game that they played against him, he he scored in the second. So I want to see if a team can stop him twice this season because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I mean, I I would agree that there's a better chance and, of Holland. And, and you don't uh, think the Mansman you know, just like meticulously like looking over that game and watching and thinking of how he can do it? Like the guy's a freak, and all he cares about is is winning football matches and and the Champions League and. I trust in Erling Holland, Alex, more than football heritage. I trust in the Terminator. Erling. Well, yeah, we'll see if he can create his own football heritage. I think it's going to be 2-1 Real Madrid. I think more likely they take it to penalties, get a, get a draw and hold on for penalties. You would need Tebow, and then that's how absolute they god they for that, Alex. I mean, he's done it before. Literally last year in the Champions League, he was man of the match in the final against Liverpool, who outplayed Real Madrid and still lost 1-0. So... We've seen Real do it. They have the experience. They have the talent to match with Manchester City in every phase of the game. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to trust the football heritage on this one. All right, what do you want to hit on next? Uh, there's a couple of uh, games relating to the top four and relegation zone. Uh, on Monday, we saw Liverpool go to Leicester, win 3-0. Uh, pretty easy one. Uh, Leicester pretty firmly down there in the, the bottom three. Shit. They're going uh, down. Yeah. They're probably going down. Uh, and Liverpool are now only a point behind uh, Manchester United in fourth and Newcastle United in third, though both those teams have a, a game in hand on Liverpool. Earlier in the weekend, uh, Manchester United beat Wolves 2-0 to uh, sort of maintain uh, that, that pace at the, in the top four. Uh, and Newcastle only managed a 2-2 draw against Leeds. I think we kind of need to talk about that Newcastle Leeds game because it's starting to look like even even though Manchester United were are the team out of Newcastle and Manchester United that had been slipping more recently. I think with like the fixture list for both, people are starting to shift more towards, you know, are Newcastle gonna be the team that, you know, slips up and drops out and is replaced by Liverpool? 
has your you know thinking around this like these those two places for top four changed after this weekend's results? Well, I mean, it's really going to be this Thursday game, right? The this Newcastle Brighton game that's going to happen on Thursday, um, because that's the game in hand right now for Newcastle. Um, I think Manchester United's is Bournemouth, which is is a good amount easier. Um, but you know this this Newcastle team has been. You know, they slipped up against Leeds there, um, you know, gave up a lead, I think, twice. And I, they looked OK. Just once. They, they went behind after eight minutes, yeah. uh, fought back and went ahead to one. And then Rasmus Christensen scored the equalizer with a couple of minutes left. So it was a back and forth game. But, you know, Leeds are a little bit more desperate than Newcastle. But Brighton at the moment, getting, so I don't you know, even though the they lost surprise. to... Everton 5-1, them getting that 3-0 win against us, you know, they're in sixth place now. They're in that Europa League spot. They they still have four games left to play, so they have everything to play for in this Newcastle game, and I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Um, and if Brighton can get it, a result in that game, even like a draw, um, it's 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 going to start being crunch time for Newcastle. I think both team, both Newcastle and Manchester United have to pass 71 points because Liverpool right now, they have... 65 points. They have two games left. Their goal difference is plus 28. And United's only plus 10. They're absolutely screwed if they end up with 71 points and it ends up being, um, you know, it goes to, to goal difference. For Newcastle, they're four above Liverpool. I think they could maybe, you know, hope, probably end the season with higher goal difference. And in that, in that sense, I think they have a little bit of an advantage on United. But you got to look at the fixtures, like you said, Alex, and... I mean, is Newcastle going to drop points again? Maybe a draw against Brighton. They are at home for that game, but we, we just saw what Brighton can do at a very difficult ground like the Emirates. So maybe they go up and manage it again against uh, Newcastle on Thursday. I guess their last two games, their last two games are home Leicester. They, they, should, they should absolutely win that game. And then away Chelsea, which... Absolutely yeah, should they win, should that win game. those games, which means they will finish with 72 points. I think that's why I'm I'm just sticking with my top four. Uh, the the one I've been saying basically since November, ba- like basically uh, the Manchester City, Arsenal, Newcastle and Manchester United. Both Manchester United and Newcastle United have games against Chelsea. And uh, Chelsea got that win against Bournemouth, which I, I didn't predict was going to happen. And then they go to draw over the weekend against Nottingham Forest. But I don't think we're winning or or getting another point for the rest of this season. Like those are, like, I thought we were kind of lucky to get a point against Nottingham Forest. So, you know, I'm kind of making, I'm kind of chalking both the Newcastle United and Manchester United games with Chelsea. I'm just kind of slotting those in for three points for both those teams because they actually have something to play for. And and Stamford Bridge isn't like a fortress. Well, yeah, and then you for know, Manchester United, their last three games are away Bournemouth, uh, home Chelsea, and home Fulham. Which again, they're going to get two out of three of those wins for sure. Probably win all three. So I think most likely it goes uh, United third, Newcastle second, and uh, or sorry, United yeah third, Newcastle fourth, and Liverpool seventy one points just miss out by one point and. Uh, even though they rally till the end of the season, I'm sure they win out. You know, I think that they just fall short. I agree with you, Alex. And I guess Brighton are still technically in it with think, all those think, games I in hand. I think hand. it's just this away game at the Vitality. I mean, I think if they get by, if United win that game, they're 
home home clear. But if they somehow drop points in that, puts a lot of pressure on the Chelsea and Fulham games because they have to win. They can't draw another game. They have to go win-win in the last two games if they don't, if they do drop points on this Bournemouth game. Yeah, you know what? I kind of take that back about Bournemouth. They, they they have four games left to play, but their max their maximum points they could get is 70. And, you know, Newcastle, Manchester United are both on 66. Liverpool are on 65. They would basically need all three of those teams to have horrific, like, last two or three games to their season. He seasons. meant Brighton, so, not, uh, not Bournemouth. Yeah, Brighton. I, I meant Brighton are still not in the top four. I guess they mathematically could if they get the win against Newcastle uh, here on Thursday, but uh, it's they're, they're going to need need a lot. No, of help, but I think for Brighton, they have everything to play for getting into Europa. You know, that seventh spot is going to be the Conference League, which I think between Spurs, Villa, um, and I mean, I guess even Brentford might be looking at it because uh, Spurs and Villa might just lose their games for the rest of the season, and if Brentford go win win, they you know they, maybe they sneak into that conference spot. Um, but for Brighton, I think they have all to play for. You know, they they get a couple more wins, and I think they'll secure Europa League, which would be awesome for them. And I would be really excited to see them in the Europa League next season. I'm just you and I were talking today while uh, you know texting during this Inter AC Milan uh, derby semi final of the Champions League. You were saying to me like Brighton is better than both of these teams, and I kind of agree with you. I mean, it's easy to say that like off the back of a very impressive three 0 win at Arsenal. Um, but, you, you know, you kind of want to see it for yourself. How would this team match up against, you know, certain teams in Europe? How would Brighton look in one of these Europa League semifinals against Juventus or Bayer Leverkusen or Roma? I, I think they'd look pretty good, you know, if, uh, you know, they had their full squad, you know, fit and available. And, yeah, I'm excited to Certainly see that. Certainly be- better than some of these other uh, journeymen from the Premier League who've gone into Europe. Um, I know Fulham made it to a Europa League final. That was kind of a, a crazy run when they did that with Roy Hodgson. Um, that was honestly probably the most epic that uh, a, like a team that has finished you know randomly around sixth place has, has gone. But there's been teams like West Ham that a few times have done it have just been dreadful. Um, I think, you know, David Moyes, you know, during the 2000s when he was at Everton, he would get sixth place, fifth place routinely, just never did anything in that competition. Um, you got fourth place one year. Did he? He got it the with, uh, Everton. Okay. Well, he got, well, he got, uh, champions. Well, they got top four, but Liverpool won the champions league that year. So Everton uh, got pushed out. I'm pretty sure the 2004, five year, the year of the, the, the ghost goal, funny enough. Um, yeah, we've got two more things I think we want to hit on before we, you know, maybe preview a couple of games this weekend. It's been rumored and we mentioned it on an Instagram live, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like it's uh, almost official that, uh, Maurizio Pochettino has uh, agreed a deal to become Chelsea's new manager uh, this off season. Do let's do the whole spiel again, since, you know, maybe the podcast listeners didn't uh, tune into the Instagram live when we, uh, talked about it for a couple of minutes. But I want to know, what does an Arsenal fan think of a former Tottenham manager taking over at Chelsea? Good move? Bad move? What do you well, think? Well, obviously, because of that relationship, I think it's going to be a move that ultimately doesn't work. Um, I think that with Benitez, it worked in a way because of the way that Abramovich operated the club. I think that the way that now Bali, Boli operates the club and the, the way that they want to like the harmony that they were going to want going to want to bring moving forward. I'm not sure if Pochettino will be able to, 
you know, completely bring the fans together um, and bring the players together and bring a harmony to the club that's needed, you know, like at a t- like Arsenal has right now. Um, you know, I, I think what's going to it, it's going to be a few years, I think. I don't know if it's going to be Pochettino that's going to be the one to take it back. Um, but my my like personal opinion of Pochettino as a manager, I mean, if, while he was leaving Tottenham Hotspur to go to uh, PSG, you know, I was saying this guy is a top five manager in the world. You know, he had built a, a excellent team at Tottenham that had gotten to a Champions League file, routinely was making the Champions League, um, you know, brought players like, you know, Lucas Mora to, to looking good in the Champions League, you know, made Son, you know, score 15, 20 goals every year. You know, I know they weren't winning trophies, but he brought a like a fairly mediocre Tottenham team and built it into a, a you know a strong team in in four or five years that he was there, or it, it ended up being you know five or six. But I'm saying in four or five years they became they were getting to the Champions League and and doing well in that. So, um, I, th- I think he's an excellent manager. I think he at PSG was at a situation that is untenable for any manager. I think it's been shown by all of the, you know, numerous Emery, Tuchel, um, you know, every manager that's now tried to go there um, has just, you know, shit the bed and and not done well in Champions League. Everyone wins the league, so it's not even impressive. Um, It's really just... Well, Pochettino didn't even manage to win the league at PSG, I don't think. Yeah, it's just, even if he didn't win the league, it's still, it's, uh, it's, it's... you know, to me, it's they only care about the Champions League there anyway, and uh, it's not important to me that he didn't do that. It's it's you know, I think what he's done before, what he did at Southampton was 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 impressive. What he did at at Spurs was impressive, um, and I think the PSG thing, like you look at Unai Emery, and it's like it's it's not like Unai's had a, I think a great career since he left PSG afterward, and. Um, you know, he, his stock is still high and he's still, he's, people still see him as a good manager. I think Pochino can still do the same. He's young and, uh, can still learn and, and yeah, and same continue. with Tuchel. So, um, Tuchel left PSG and won the champions league after the year after leaving there. So, you know, exactly there's life after PSG. And I do think this Chelsea job is more in line with the job that he was hired to do at Tottenham when he was brought in there, a young team that's just, you know, a lot of young talent that's just recently been acquired uh, and they need someone to sift through all the dead weight, get ri- get rid of the players that you know he assesses are not you know up to the task of executing this like new Chelsea vision of a of a young team that presses high and and keeps the ball. I think you know, it's I not think, like I a think unique there'll be, there'll be a lot of pains next season. I think there'll new. be a lot of flashes of like you know good play and and looking good next year. It can't possibly be more it painful can't. than no, this year has been. It, it really I think can't. it'll take a two like, or three it, years of and you have to like keep Pochettino. You can't just like if there's like a bad run of results. You can't just fire him next yeah. year. And that's that's like you can't get into that habit. But with the money that's been the money that's been spent and the money that you anticipate could be spent this summer uh maybe not on as many players but maybe you know two or three like starters right away, like players who come in and immediately make an impact. I, I would not really settle for anything less than, you know, being in those European places next season. And that, that seems like a pretty big uh, jump to make from a team that's, you know, been in the bottom half for, you know, weeks now. Um, but the, the, the talent is there. It just needs molding and uh, a little bit of confidence given to it. Like a player like Mikhailo Mudrik, I'm not. This is not a prediction. I'm not predicting this is going to happen next season. 
but he needs to be making a step next season, this first full season at the club. He needs to be making a step similar to the one that like Hyun Ming Sun made in 2015-16 when Tottenham like challenged and pushed Leicester for the league and Son and Kane were, you know, that was the first season where those two truly started to to link up and and prove themselves as like Premier League goal scorers. Pochettino needs to be looking at someone like Mudrik and, and thinking this is a player who's low on confidence but has all of the talent that's necessary to, you know, be that similar kind of profile of player to Son, a pacey winger who likes to cut in from the left and shoot on his on his right foot. That's that, that's the level that Mikhailo Mudrik has to start working his way towards, and it needs to be it needs to be part of Pochettino's plan to get a player like that, along with plenty of others. There are other players in the squad that need uh, work as well. But that needs to be his focus. And this team needs to start being entertaining again. I, I don't want any more boring like football. I want to like if we score a bunch of goals next season, but look worse defensively than we did this season, I'll take that. Cause you know, I, I think you've mentioned a couple of times that like the defensive record for Chelsea for the majority of this season has not been that bad. Like it's I think they were something like third or fourth in the league in goals conceded up until about a month ago. So like I, I'll take a hit defensively if it means we open up, become more, you know, attack-minded, attack-focused, score more goals, have more entertaining games, give the fans what they want. Yeah, there will be frustration when we're like up two 0 and end up drawing games two two. As a result, that may that may happen. But at least give the fans a show. At least give the players something to be excited about instead of you know looking like they're going to shit themselves every time they walk out on, onto the field in Stamford Bridge. That's the other thing to, he needs to figure out. He's, he's got to figure out a way to start directing Chelsea back towards making Stamford Bridge more of a fortress than it has been the last couple of seasons because that's been steadily eroding for, for years now. So we'll see. I'm... I'm more confident in Pochettino being able to get it done than I was in Potter. Potter seemed like more of a stretch. Pochettino has the Champions League experience and pedigree. Pochettino, yeah, it does seem like more of a, a the type of manager that Chelsea, the pedigree of manager that they should be going for as opposed to Potter. Um, not that like a, a manager like Potter couldn't have worked, just that Chelsea kind of need that immediate stabilization right now. And uh, they, they kind of yeah. need that experience that goes with a manager that's Already been in the game for a, for a decade now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that works out. It looks like he's going to come in in the summer. So Frank's got uh, three more games. Yeah, three more games uh, until the end of the season. Let's hit on real quick before we go. Uh, that it, It's finally confirmed. Southampton have been relegated to the championship after 11 seasons in the Premier League. It was nice to know you, Southampton, but uh, they're officially... It was not down. nice. Now you fuck you both. You guys took points on us in both of those games. You pieces of shit. You're the only reason we're not winning the league. No, Javier, you're the reason you're not winning the yes, league. It's true, Alex. It is us. Only us. Hey, at least they didn't do the double over you like they did to us. No, but I, I have a soft spot for Southampton. Like I don't know. They've they've produced a lot of like star players in the Premier They'll be League. Right they've back been up. one of like They'll the. Be right back up. Yeah, I, I think so too. But. Uh, you know, just in case they don't come back up, you know, but, uh, goodbye, Southampton. Uh, it was nice knowing you. Um, and actually, before we do go, uh, just in terms of previews for this weekend, there's no like one game that really stands out. Uh, I do just have to mention Manchester City could mathematically seal the title this weekend if they beat Chelsea at home, which I'm certain they're going to do. 
Uh, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make that uh, City win the title against Chelsea uh, if it means Arsenal don't win the uh, the title. So bring that on. Yeah, Everton Everton Wolves game is pretty huge here. If Everton can go and beat Wolves away, that's that's a big game. And then Leeds at away West Ham, who I think West Ham have a conference league game. So, you know, they, they might be tired and Leeds might be able to get a result there. Those are two huge, you know, if they, they can get wins, them they might be, Leicester might be relegated this weekend if they don't, because they're away Newcastle. They lose against Newcastle and Leeds and Everton get wins. Suddenly they're four points and they're relegated. So watch for that as well. All right. Javier, thanks again for jumping on this one. Always appreciate it. And uh, thank you for expanding your Twitter horizons. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing, starting to see more and more of Javier on Twitter. I, I keep Try checking in every week or over the, every other week. So, saw a, a rest in peace to, uh, to a great poker player that you were uh, tweeting about the other yeah. day. Uh, Sports yeah. related. Every little bit counts, Javier. I appreciate it. Keep it up. And if you want to follow Javier, you can uh, follow him at JavierRev9 on Twitter. You can follow me at ASMoss92 on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoldPod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. Those new ratings and reviews help new listeners to find the pod. And you know we always appreciate it when you can help us grow this thing. Enjoy the games this weekend. And until next time, see ya.